Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea or your water, sit back, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above. It's the weekend. Yay. It's a weekend that is playful, celebratory, um, maybe self-expressive, and then later in the weekend, maybe we get down to some work. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> it's about the only thing going on this weekend. The only thing I can really talk about is the moon for the weekend and one minor little scritchiness that might be occurring under the surface, but it is looking like it's going to be a good weekend. And you know what? We all deserve that because if you guys have had any week like I've had this week, you're ready to just pull out your hair and go running screaming. And it's been uh, really kind of a crazy week for me starting out. You know, this is we're still with Jupiter in the gate of shock. The gate 51 that sits on the will center, heart center, ego center, whatever you're used to calling it. So, of course, there are things that are going to in some way jar us or wake us up. And this has been like one long week of those kinds of events. Nothing tragic or Yes, tragic. The beginning of the week, I heard about the death of a uh, in-law uh, that was death by suicide. Not good because, of course, that brings up the whole thing of feelings of, you know, what happened in our own family. Uh, Tuesday was a day where Terry got sick, very sick, and ended up spending the next few days here at home. He's back to work today, thankfully. Uh, on Wednesday, our septic system started backing up through the yard, and it wasn't it wasn't sewage so much as it was gray water or extra water. And I recognized this as I went walking out my front door, and there was like a bubbling stream coming up next to my stairs, and that was running down the walkway. And I went, "That's unusual." Uh, and then you might see, yeah, I had my face chopped up yesterday. Uh, yeah, yeah, skin cancer on the face. Yay. Thank you, Southern California sunshine. And so I'm ready. I'm just ready for everything to go peaceful. Oh, I even had a client this week who I ended up handholding as long as I could through what seemed like it was going to be a suicide. Oh, yeah so much pressure. People are feeling so much pressure and in lots of different ways. It's not all in one specific way. It could be just the, the compilation of all the different pressures that we've felt for the last several months, uh, for the last several years, maybe kind of compounding. So it's been kind of a crazy week for me and I hope it hasn't been that way for everyone else. But if it has been, perhaps this weekend is the grace you've been waiting for, as this weekend, really, the only news is coming from the moon, the moon in Leo starting today and on through tomorrow and then switching into Virgo on Sunday. So we have kind of what I think of as a work and play week, right, or weekend, a, a play and work week and weekend. And where, you know, maybe we, we focus on what's creative, what's fun, what's playful, what kind of things we want to celebrate. And then Sunday, maybe we get a little more serious about getting the dishes done or, you know, 
fixing the closet or going to the grocery store and, and picking up the groceries. So let's first talk about the moon in Leo. It's one of my favorite positions that the moon can be in. It's self-expression, pure and simple. It's the passion that we have for sharing ideas. It's the passion and the eagerness that we have to share our ideas and inspiration with an audience, with other people. It's creative ambition right? This is where we want to uh, have the creativity and that is personalized, right? Our own personal sense of creative energy. And we want to share that with others, right? That could be through art. It could be through words. It could be through uh, just having conversations in a playful setting with people. So it is a sign that is also about fun and games, celebrations, playing, being childlike in our enthusiasm for life, being childlike in our playfulness, right? Being in play, pretending, you know, I like the word pretending because pre as a uh, prefix always means before, right? Before and tending, tending is about having, right? So before creating or before making something or before getting something in real, you pretend it, right? You pretend it. So maybe taking and cultivating the ground a little bit, planting the seed, watching it grow, nurturing it, watering it. So Leo is a place where we can really plant the seeds of our dreams and, uh, you know, have fun while we're in the process, while we're waiting for it to be exposed to the light, that kind of thing. Uh, it is also times for vacation in, in the uh, astrology chart, Leo actually is the natural ruler of the fifth house. Now, that's if you had an Aries on the rise and then Taurus would be on the second house, Gemini on the third, Cancer on the fourth, and then Leo would be on the fifth house, which is the house of love and romance and play and creativity and the expressions of joyfulness. So we have Leo ruling things joyful right? The joyful expression of life, the exuberance of life. And along with that comes the drama. Life is a drama. Not doesn't always have to be a trauma drama, but life is often dramatic. This has been a dramatic and almost traumatic week in some respects for me. It likely is for some of you as well. But it's a time to be happy together, right? To come to, to feel the connection between yourself, your family, or your friends, or your community. It's a time to indulge in the more luxurious times, things like, you know, beautiful scents, or in some way creating an atmosphere of love and romance, uh, being treated or treating others like royalty, if you will, right? Being so kind and giving and generous and magnanimous, all very Leo words for sure. But we do have to watch out for some things, right? In Leo, like any other sign, as, as fun and wonderful as it is on one side, on the other side, we have the, the problems that can occur, one of which is the ego, right? Taking over. Now, we don't want to say no to the ego. We don't want to have no ego. The ego is what, you know, anchors us here on this planet and keeps us moving forward, keeps us, you know, making decisions and sometimes sometimes decisions that are good for us, sometimes that are not so good for us. But we can't get rid of the ego, right? It's just not going to happen. You're on a 3D planet. Ego is here. But we can avoid the ego taking over, right? We can avoid the over um, emphasis on self 
and to the exclusion of others. So I, I am always very careful here because I don't necessarily think that self-centeredness is a bad thing. I think you must be self-centered or how else can you go out into the world and serve others, right? You, you've got to do it from your own fullness. But in the negative of Leo, we can take that self-centeredness kind of to selfishness, right? Or into uh, being overly self-centered where it becomes insufferable, where it's all about me, right? I don't care about you. <laughs> it's all about me. And then that can become, because Leo's a fire sign, there's some competitiveness here. That could be a, a, a feeling of trying to win at everybody else's expense. So we do have the things to watch out for but not necessarily uh, the bat, the worst uh, of things because the weekend itself feels like there's no other extenuating circumstances that are pounding us in some way, uh, except for the things that we've experienced over the rest of the month of March. Um, so hopefully we can make it a really good weekend. And then on Sunday morning, let's see if I have the times here. So we have a void of course moon on April 1st, April Fool's Day tomorrow. Will you be a fool or will you see through everybody's follies. <laughs> That'll be fun. Uh, so tomorrow night, April 1st, 11.04 p.m. my time. So for those of you mountain time and further east, it'll be on early Sunday morning. The moon will be in the void until 3.58 a.m. West Coast time, 6.58 for you on the East Coast. And then that will be the signal that the moon is moving into the sign of Virgo. So we'll all pretty much wake up Sunday morning uh, with a more uh, practical sort of uh, idea of what we have to do. When the moon is in Virgo, it highlights our work. It highlights the, the practical routines, the everyday habits, the things that we do on a daily basis, the rhythm of life, if you will, right? The rhythm um, the jobs that we have to do, even the side jobs, right? The things like we do at home, not necessarily going to the workplace to work, but working in some way, shape or form. But it also emphasizes health, healthy routines, right? The things that we do that really support our health, that might be exercise, it might be diet, it might be um, detoxifying, that kind of thing. It also highlights alternative healing. Virgo, even though it's the sign of health and healing, it doesn't specifically say that the health has to be healed by, via the, the more modern medicine, right? It can be more traditional methods. It can be what it is that works best for you, your body type, you know yourself best. So doing what is best for you and your body. And then, of course, there's the whole getting organized. Virgo loves organization. It loves to tend to the details, to tidy up things, uh, planning uh, out the steps that are going to be taken, uh, the daily planner kind of thing. There's a perfectionistic streak, one that's kind of nitpicky. So we might need to watch for that a little bit, where if you're doing a task, you might keep going and going and doing and you know, rearranging things until ad nauseum, right? Until it no longer, <laughs> until you are satisfied, which could take forever with the moon in Virgo. Um, being efficient though, and and doing things in a way that declutters, right? That, that releases things, you know, from that messiness. It's kind of funny because Virgo has those two sides, the messy side, and then the fastidious, 
neatnik kind of side. So where are we going to fall in that on Sunday and leading into Monday, of course, as well? Discernment is also another key emphasis in the moon with in Virgo. The, in, the analysis potential of the mind in Virgo, uh, critical thinking, analyzing, comparing and contrasting, all of those kinds of things are very powerful in the sign of Virgo. Being calm in a crisis, not that I expect crises on the weekend, but being calm in the face of, of, of the things that may come up, right? Going into that space of objectivity, um, Virgo is an earth sign, can get to the practical aspects of things very quickly, right? In an emergency or in a drama kind of situation, well, what's the most practical thing, the first step that needs to be taken? Um, so there's that. And then, of course, the plans and taking care of the plans. You got to watch out for anxiety here, though. Virgo as a sign that's ruled by Mercury, right? Mercury, the mind and communication as well uh, can have can get into the anxiety of overthinking something over preparing for what might go wrong right so there you have to to be aware of the mental anxiety the physical anxiety even in the body virgo rules the digestive system so from below the stomach cancer rules the stomach but below that the small intestines uh, where food begins to be, where it's broken down and it begins to be assimilated into the body is there. So when we get into anxiety, frequently we feel it, right, in our solar plexus. So that's where all of the nerve endings for digestion take place. But it's also our warning system, especially for some of you who are defined in your emotional center and your human design, then you have those those feelings that are coming up in the solar plexus that may indicate something. Maybe it indicates that you're anxious over something. Maybe it indicates something else that you need to be prepared for. It's hard to say exactly, but the tendency might be for us to get into our heads and start overthinking. That we don't want to do. Uh, and then often the negative side of Virgo is getting into the blame shame game where it's to me it's always about the victim energy being either the victim the savior the martyr right the, that sort of stair step of of ways in which we can try to maintain control over our environment or over our lives interesting word right because this week we are sitting with the sun at the gate 21 which is called the gate of control uh, or we call it that colloquially sometimes, but it's also um, a gate that in quantum human design we call self-regulation. So I want to talk a little bit about that, but first let me go back and say good morning to people who are checking in here. Uh, Debbie tibbetts Tumiel, good morning. She says, happy Friday. It's great to see everybody here. Good day, Astro Design family from Tom. Hey, Tom, it's good to see you. Kathleen, Hello there. You got up early again. That's awesome. Amanda J. Hello to you. Good morning, Christine and Kathleen Mallory. I don't know what you said yikes for, but maybe it was because of the bunch of things that are going on. Um, J-Lo, hello to you. And uh, Christine says she was about to say yikes too. Good morning, Julie and Joan and Peggy Doyle. Good to see you. Uh, Tom says ego, edging God out as an acronym. That's interesting. I like that. Uh, so, all right, let's uh, transition over to 
Well, I will get to the human design uh, aspect, but let's start first with what is a minor, minor, read minor aspect pattern that is happening this weekend that may affect us. And often these minor kinds of, of astrology transits, they're kind of beneath, they're simmering beneath the surface, right? They're kind of getting to us from underneath or from behind the scenes or through someone else. And this one is a semi-square. So a square, as you know, is, and all these words, square, semi-square, sextile, trine, all of that, these are key words that just point us at the relationship between the two planets. In this case, we have Venus, semi-square, Mars, right? So we have Venus, the feminine principle, Mars, the masculine principle, and the relationship they find themselves in this weekend is called a semi-square. Now we know a square is a 90 degree relationship between the two planets and a square has a lot of challenge to it, but it's, it's the uh, driving force that keeps us moving to try to solve the problem or to find a solution that will work for us. Right. Or to even, even if you're practicing creative avoidance of a problem or of something that's going on, you're still engaging the square, right? You're trying to find a solution for something. And in the semi-square, the half square, which is a 45 degree relationship between the two planets, what we have instead of the out and out, like in your face need to rise to the challenge, we have more of a tension beneath the surface, kind of that scritchy feeling of I'm irritated, irritated, I'm irritable, I'm emotional maybe, but I don't have any right thing I can put a pin in and say that's the reason. Or I may think that it's because my spouse is in a bad mood or, you know, I got a piece of mail I didn't like or whatever it is. The tension is there beneath the surface and whether or not we attribute it to something, it still bugs us. It's still there. And often the thing that we think is being attributed to isn't the right thing, right? It's not really it. It's your reaction to whatever it is, right? So when Venus is in the semi-square to Mars, we may find ourselves as the instigators of issues between ourselves and others. Like from, I can just imagine Sunday, Moon and Virgo being nitpicky, right? And this is in my own household. You guys can have it in your in your households, however it might work out. But my husband is a train fiend, and I have an entire living room filled with boxes and cars of trains, and and I have a small house. And sometimes when he drags all this stuff out, it gets out, and I yeah yeah I just go nuts because it I can't I have a moon in Virgo I can't stand the mess so then I'm nitpicking at him put these things away get th rid of this put that away so that is an instigating thing right that can be an instigation um, it can be any number of things it doesn't have to be around something being messy it could be around something somebody says you react as a way to sort of pinprick them to you know get. Uh, try to get a rise out of them to get a response or a reaction out of them. So we have to watch for these, you know, using uh, tools of, of, of instigating conflict, right? And that might be words, it could be actions, it could be any number of things. But as well, we may find ourselves being more temperamental, 
or being more emotional, like something that someone does that hardly ever bugs you today, that day, this weekend, bugs the you know what out of you. So, you know, little things, the little nitpicky things can be magnified in our um, energy field and make it feel so much more worse than it is. It creates tension, tension, okay? And there's also the possibly impulsivity between the two, right? Masculine energy of doing, feminine energy of being, and those two in a sort of temperamental dance over the weekend. So just be, you know, be watchful for that. Don't fall into the trap of having to, you know, get involved in conflicts. Uh, if you feel yourself getting that uh, that your your dander rising because of something someone's doing or saying, leave the room, go do something else, go put your headset on and start listening to beautiful music, um, take a walk, you know, do things to keep yourself in the flow of good energy and not get caught up in that, you know, trauma energy, drama energy. <laughs> And, and again, it could be something so small that will trigger you. It just really depends on the situation. And of course, at this point, what we're looking at is, you know, the semi-square, the 45 degree angle, Mars in Cancer, right? Mars in Cancer is emotional energy. And, you know, Mars doesn't do well in water, right? He makes steam. Mm, steam. And we still have Venus in, a gem, in a Taurus right? So we have this interesting uh, energy, the stubborn streak that, you know, Venus can take on when she's in Taurus versus Mars emotionalism in Cancer. So we just want to watch out for that this weekend. Uh, which day is the drama day again? Well, I would say today, tomorrow, and Sunday. Uh, the semi-square actually begins early in the morning, but you know how aspects are, right? There's this time leading up, um, and then there's the exactness of it, and then there's the waning. So the waxing, the aspect is exact, and then the waning, right? Applying, there it is, and then it's separating, okay? So we have a few days worth of this kind of potential. And again, it all really depends on where this is happening in your own chart, what things might trigger you might be different from what things trigger me, that kind of thing is going to be more personalized, because both Venus and Mars are personal planets, right? So it's going to be unique to you. It's not going to be on the collective level that we're experiencing that, but more on the level of our own individuality and how each one of us um, comes to play <laughs> in that kind of a situation, right? If you're someone who just lets water roll off your back like a duck, well, it's probably not going to be a big deal. But also, I know that we've been under a lot of tension and stress with so many different changes happening over the course of the month. And we might be on our last nerve, right? And it just takes someone to say something, uh, a, a look uh, that can send us over that edge. So just be watchful. Try to hold on, respond, not react, right? Response means we're going to take a breath. <sighs> then we'll decide what we do right? Giving yourself some time, buying time for response. All right. 
And you're welcome, Christine. All right, so then let's take a look at the Human Design Week. So we actually uh, started the Human Design Week yesterday on the 30th, and this is with the Sun at the Gate 21, which is on the Heart Center, Will Center, Ego Center, whichever one you are used to calling it, and the Earth at the Gate 48, uh, which is on the Spleen Center. So remember, right now and all the way through the first week in May, I believe it is, the um, the earth is sitting on the different gates of the spleen and when the earth does that she is causing she's challenging us right in a way we're being challenged to overcome whatever the fear is right and that's because the earth here versus when the sun and in uh, september october and november uh, the sun is shining a light on the high side of those energies but the earth is always going to show us what we need to deal with in order to get to the high side energy of the sun. So with this week, the earth at the gate 48 and the sun at the gate 21, it's a very stringent combination. It is a tricky one. It's tricky because the sun at the gate 21 is tribal energy. So that means it affects us in family and in community, let's say. Um, and in a way, it has a, a very economic sort of, of energy around it. The heart center is the gate, is where the gate 21 is. And that center is about managing and allocating resources. I want to share my screen for a minute here and show you where this is taking place. Um, using my new chart presentation tool. Uh, on my website. So I, this isn't on my website, by the way. It's actually the program that's running on my website, but this is uh, how I can get to this. So here is the heart center of your human design. It is the center that has the fewest gates on it. Uh, I should also highlight there the gate 51 because Jupiter is still sitting there and nothing at 26 or at 40 at the moment. This is a good thing. So it's not all lit up, but 50% of the center is lit up right now. The 51 being the gate of shock, right? So the, the, the awakening process and with Jupiter there, sometimes these things can be very highly magnified or amplified and it doesn't have to be negative things. It can be, you know, other things it can be positive things but in some way shape or form all of us as a society because jupiter rules society uh culture we are waking up right for something to something right so we we've got that happening uh in the background and now we have the sun at the gate 21 which is sometimes called the gate of control and in um uh, traditional human design this gate was called the gate of the treasurer and we'll talk about why that happened, I suppose. Uh, in quantum human design, this gate is what I think is the most appropriate name, and that is self-regulation. Because this is the gate where we learn to manage and allocate our own energy, right? Our own resources. So time, money, energy are all resources that we have. Now, the reason this gate actually was called the treasurer, because is at one time, if we look at this just through the uh, economic circuitry that it's a part of, it is a gate that's really good at managing money. 
And that's where we call it the treasurer, where at the other end, the gate, if we had the gate 45 going on, the gate 45 would be a gate where we would have someone who wants to dominate how the money is spent. I'm the earner. I get to decide. But they're not necessarily the one that is very good at it. They distribute resources, sure, but not necessarily in a more equitable way. Uh, or in a more manageable way, the person with the gate 21 has the ability to really see what's the budget, right? And are we in our budget or are we outside of our budget? So there's a lot of a potential in the 21 to be able to manage your resources, right? And that, again, isn't always just money. It can be time. It can be energy flow. But that's what it's all about. That is, it's a, it's mostly an economic sort of center uh, and the economy of energy, the economy of money, the economy of motion, all of those kinds of different things. Now, when we look at this center, the center itself through the gene keys. Now, remember in the gene keys, when we look at things, we're looking at it holographically and we're looking at it from the position that we have perhaps the shadow expression of that energy, then maybe some people are expressing it at the gift level. And then the highest potential, the, the uh, city would be the, the way that we would see that in its highest, how what's the highest and best this energy can show up. Now we do that with gates or the gene keys themselves, gates and gene keys, interchangeable words, right? Different systems to be sure, but based on human design gates, Richard Rudd turned these into gene keys in which we could look at them holographically, right, where we could see the different levels of potential here. Now, the centers also have a hologram or a holographic model, if you will. And the hologram in this center in its lowest shadow is the shadow of control, right? This is all about control. And then when we get into the um, gift level here, and by the way, control here is egoic, ego. So the lowest energy is ego or ego control. When we get to the gift level here, what we have is willpower. And this is where we get the will center from. Now, some people think of will as being willful right, or being stubborn or determined, tenacious, and all those are words that we could use to describe the energies coming through the center. But what is the will? It's really your choices, your choosing from your free will, what it is that you're going to do, what you're going to say, who you're going to do things with. So will is very much a divine gift that we all have, right? You all have a will center or heart center in your design. About seven eighths of you have it open. So it's not set in stone when you can use your will or when you will use your will uh, or how you use your resources. And another one eighth of us have this center defined. So it works differently in each way, right? In its highest energy, this center is all about surrender. Interesting, right? Because surrender here would seem to suggest that we go with the flow. Where are uh, the resources taking us? You know, where, how can we keep in a sustainable um, 
sense of our resources rather than overspending, over committing our time, over committing our energy? How do we keep it sustainable? Even though it's not necessarily the word for this center, but it's all a part of that, right? Because it instigates a flow. In this center, flow is an energy, it's a motor. And the flow in this center sometimes is on the move and sometimes it's not, it's at rest. So in this center, we have sometimes the need, the feel that we need to push, that we need to control, that we need to hold on to, but the energy of itself in the highest is surrendering to whatever it is that's happening. If we're running up against a roadblock, then perhaps it's time to just relax and wait. Be patient. At other times, right, we have something to do and we've got the go signs up, the lights are all green, we are moving, going with the flow, and that can be followed by downtime. The key in this center is that the energy comes on and it goes off, it pulses, right, with the need to take action and then the need to rest. So sometimes we are trying to force things to happen in this center because we have a fear that it's that we need to control it in some way. I hope that all that's making sense. So in the shadow energy of ego or control, what we have is the need to control life or to control others or that we are being controlled by others. We're trying to control the flow of resources. Who gets what? How much of what? And circumstances, right? The circumstances in our lives, we're trying to control how everything is going to play out. Now, the fear is that we aren't really deserving of flow, of abundance, of the good in life, that somehow we have to keep holding on to have tight control over things in order to get our part, to get what we deserve, right? And that's plain fear. And sometimes the other part of this is the, the fear that we need to work hard to get what we want, right? To get our, to get more money or to get love or to get whatever, to get our needs met. So we are constantly striving and striving. Interesting conundrum here, because while this center is a motor and does imply that we have energy for work, it is also the source of a lot of anxiety, burnout, heart issues in the body. The center is the heart. So we might have issues like heart attacks or heart problems, uh, anxiety, what do you call those things, palpitations, um, heart attacks, high blood pressure, strokes, all of that kind of stuff could be from misuse of control energy, right? So we've got to watch that. The lesson in all of this is learning to let go and to trust not to overcompensate, right? Not to keep doing things or keep going or instigating things, uh, to know that we are worthy, that we don't have to fear that we don't have worth. We do. And there's another kind of call here in the gate 21 that might be more about maintaining healthy boundaries. And that's interesting considering Saturn now in Pisces is about boundaries, right? Where do we have none? <laughs> where do we have no boundaries and we need to institute some boundaries or where do we have such tight boundaries that we don't have freedom of flexibility or freedom of flow? 
So those are big key issues that are coming up with the 21. So here's where the sun is at gate 21. The earth is over here on the spleen center. The spleen center gate 48 is called the gate of depth. It is the gate of wisdom in quantum human design. And in the gene keys, what we see in the shadow is the is inadequacy. The gift is resourcefulness. And in the highest, the city, it's um, being wise or having wisdom. Now, it's interesting because the spleen center, like the ego center or, or heart center over here, also has its own hologram or its own holographic um, uh, levels, shadow, gift, and city. And in the lowest expression, this is the gate of alarm or the center of alarm. It's where fear gets triggered for some reason, right? Survival fear. The center itself is about time, intuition, and health. And of course, anything that threatens us in some way is going to first probably be triggered here in the spleen center through alarm or fear or the feeling that something's not right, right? Or an anxiety, one that we can't even put a pin in and say, this is where it's coming from. In the gift level, this center is about intuition, right? Body instinctual awareness. This is an awareness center. And the awareness here is about the wisdom in the body or in your instincts. What am I feeling there that's intuitively guiding me or instinctually guiding me? And in the highest expression, you're going to love this word, presence. Presence, being present in this moment. Remember, the center rules time. And time in the spleen is in the now, right? Right this moment. And what am I feeling in this moment? In this present moment is all well, right? Uh, I think I shared with everybody on Wednesday morning the feeling I had on Monday uh, out of the blue where something was wrong. I just knew something was wrong. I, it was almost panicky feeling even within me. I didn't know where it was coming from. And literally, so that I didn't sit here and just keep feeding the panic, I had to get up and leave and do something else just so that I could, you know, move that through my body. And in so doing, of course, then the awareness comes that, you know, something had happened or the, the actual facts bore out the feeling I was having. And we are all capable of that. We all have a spleen center. The, the difference is sometimes intuition for someone who has the center open comes in a variety of ways right? You don't always see it as, you know, a feeling or as a dream or as claircognizance or clairvoyance or it, it has many different ways of, of coming at you. Your intuition is really largely going to be based on what transits are affecting it and or what people are you around that are completing the circuitry there to the spleen. Now, for those of you who have it defined, you likely have a defined way of knowing, right? It might be intuitive. It might be got body, gut instinct kind of feelings. Um, for those of you who have it open, those are going to be different, right? It can, makes it hard to rely on it as the key indicator of what to do if it's open. But if it's defined for you or colored in, as I've colored in this one here, it means that you have a very defined way of dealing with things as they come up. Now, let's take a look at the gate 48. 
because this is a very difficult gate if you have it defined because it can be a place where we get paralyzed by the fear of inadequacy uh, and it keeps us locked in a comfort zone right where we feel okay where we are but if i wanted to take the next step i might feel like i need to learn more uh, I might need to take another class. I might need to do another certification. Uh, or some people are so much into certifications and, you know, having that piece of paper that says, I can do this, right? I have a certification that says that I can do soul realignment, um, that they're afraid to do anything until they've got that certification. And it can keep you locked in a loop of keep seeking more and more information. And it can keep you locked into not moving forward uh, because of a feeling of not being ready or not knowing enough. Now, the gate 48, to be sure, needs a foundation of information. I'm not saying go out and be a doctor when you've never gone to a school or learned anything about the human body. That's not what I'm saying. I'm more about how you've studied all your life or you've even practiced being an astrologer a healer a janitor a whatever but you a writer uh, but you you keep holding yourself back from putting anything out there from a fear that you're not ready yet or you don't know enough yet so the lesson that we're learning with the gate 48 uh, being defined now is don't let the fear of not knowing hold you back you have to learn to trust that, you know, the gate in human design is called depth and that it's a depth of inner wisdom that we hold, that we know we have to learn to trust that we know what it's going to take to proceed forward, to take the next step. And then we have to be willing to do that in the right timing, of course, right? And the right timing is when the opportunity presents itself. Or when you're getting that inner nudge, uh, if you're a projector or an inner nudge, if you're a reflector, a manifester, a creative impulse generators, manifesting generators, when you are in response to something that's showing up outside of you in the right time. So this gate has a lot to do with self-trust, with faith in your ability, faith in uh, yourself, faith that source or God or spirit is there with you that you would not have the opportunity showing up in your world or anything for you to respond to if you weren't ready, right? That would be such a cosmic joke, right? To uh, get offered a job as a doctor when you've never done any training as a doctor. I don't think that happens, right? I just don't think things come to us when we're not ready, right? Sometimes it might be that we need to take a first step in order to see what we need next, right? So don't be afraid to step forward. If you're afraid to step forward and that fear is all about, I don't know enough, I don't have enough experience, then it's false evidence appearing real. It's fear, right? That kind of fear. So what we have then this week with our human design is self-regulation and that uh, challenge coming from the earth is about trusting our innate wisdom and then from there regulating ourselves in our next steps right knowing what comes next for each of us so these are the two centers that we are working with now how do i stop that there we go 
All right, questions from anybody out there? Uh, Pauline, hello there. And JLo says, interesting, my hearth's, heart's been doing its own thing when I'm sleeping. How can we control that? You know, that control, right? You can't control that. Your body is showing you something that's out of whack, right? Once, once our body begins to show us something, then we have to go backward in time. We can't just start with what's the body showing us. We have to go backwards. We have to go to, well, what was the thought? What was the experience? What was the fear perhaps that was triggered that over time and repeating the process of what that fear does to us, it comes into our bodies and shows us through the physical ex uh, expression of it, right? Now, I'm not saying, by the way, I'm not a doctor, and this should not be, you know, considered, you know, as a replacement to any of your own wisdom or medical advice. If you're worried about it or concerned about it, go to the doctor, right? But if you have a feeling, like when I was about 33, yeah, I was 33, three, double threes, um, I started having heart palpitations, like bad and I was kind of worried, thinking, you know, am I going to have a heart attack? What's going on here? But I also realized that at that point in my life, I was under such tremendous stress. I was working for a company that had sold uh, making eyeglasses and people were waiting six to eight weeks for their eyeglasses. It was ridiculous. I couldn't get help. I couldn't help my clients. A TV station heard about it and came in and, you know, was trying to uh, video our, our store. It, it was ugly. It was an ugly time. Is it any wonder I was having heart palpitations, right? There was so much stress. But also at that time in my life, I did not have tools like meditation or yoga or know as much as I know now metaphysically about how to handle that type of stress. But we have so many more tools now, right? And if you're a younger person and you're watching this, learn about the tools that can help you relieve anxieties and stress. JLo, I know that you've had a lot going on in your life, no doubt, right? And you are also at a time in your life when maybe there are key hormonal changes going on that can also be driving the physical expression. So sometimes you have to go to the doctor and you got to find out only because then you can feel more secure in knowing that there isn't something impending like a heart issue, right? So balancing these two things. And by the way, the whole theme for the day, uh, for the weekend, is about balancing work and play. And is it perhaps an uh, evidence in your life that you've gone too far one way, uh, probably not the other way, but too much toward work or seriousness or responsibilities or heaviness, right? Traumas and dramas. And maybe you need to give yourself a break. A vacation would be nice. And give yourself some time to reestablish equanimity peacefulness, surrendering to a higher power, those kinds of things. Um, <laughs> Tom, <laughs> Tom's not a doctor, but he plays doctor. <laughs> I love it. Pauline, sometimes we leave the body to do a soul mission or school. Um, that might be in dream time. I, I had a series of dreams. It seemed like this went on for months where I would 
wake up and feel like I'd been in class in a classroom or my dreams would be about me being in a classroom. Then I would wake up and I would not remember any of the people that were around me or what the subject matter was for that matter. But I just knew I'd been learning something, which is always kind of an interesting feeling. Uh, let's see. Any other questions? No. All right. So um, I have kind of covered everything that I wanted to cover this morning. So let's do some card readings. Uh, so start with somebody telling me they would like a reading. I'm going to go down here and grab some cards up. Of course, I want to use my new deck. I think I might want to use the Cosmic or Galactic Heritage one. These Mayan cards are often very profound in their readings. Uh, I've got Halloween cards, Pleiadian cards, wise cards, animal cards, dragons, all kinds of them. So you can tell me what kind of card reading you would like. And Tom, first in line, as always. No, that was Debbie. Debbie, tell me what kind of card you want. Tom's already told me he wants a Pleiadian. So let's pull a Pleiadian for Tom this morning. Now, your job, Tom, is to think about what it is that you want guidance on. You know, if you want to make this purposeful for something that you're struggling with or something that you need to know, or is it more general? Okay, so I've got Debbie, Tom, and Joan. Let's get the three of you done and then see if I have time still to go on. Tom, whoa. Oh, challenge to evolve, right? So yours is evolution challenge, card number 10. And it says, when challenges arise, simply see them as opportunities for growth. So what are you being challenged with right now, my friend? So let's take a look at what more there is here. That's manifestation. I want evolution. 10. And remember, 10 is the number of manifestation in uh, the Pleiadian system. So let's first read about the challenge of evolution. Everyone has challenges as part of the lessons of life. Face each challenge with courage, grace, and ease. When the outer world seems too challenging or when you feel too stressed from things that are forced upon you that you may not consciously have chosen, remember that you have the power to make a different choice in any circumstance right now. Invite positive feelings into the situation and know that you are changing the energy within you in that particular moment. Every time you do that, you raise your vibration and you become lighter and lighter. When you feel challenged, know that you have 50% of the power to change what is happening. The universe has the remaining 50% of the power to co-create what occurs in your life. The universe will match your 50% if it is for the highest good of all. Seeing every challenge as an opportunity allows cooperation with what the universe provides. The uh, ener uh, energy, universal energy 10 is manifestation. You can manifest something better in any situation by seeing all challenges as opportunities while cooperating with the support of the universe. It's a great card. It's great for all of us. Remember, we're all sitting here together in this this morning. So even though this may look like I'm drawing this card for Tom, it may also hold meaning for all of us in some way, shape, or form. All right, got that one. Debbie would like a card from, I hope that makes sense to you, Tom. Let us know in the chat how you feel about that. 
and I'm going to move this off to the side so I can get, I'm so glad you want the new deck, Debbie, because I need more practice with the Dream Weavers Oracle. This is the new one by Colette Baron-Reed. It has a distinctly um, otherworldly feel to it with grounded wisdom. I, I just really love this deck. I think she outdid herself with this one because the art itself is uh, also a part of this and the art feels otherworldly. All right, so Debbie, be concentrating on what it is you would like to know. JLo, I would get to you. And Joan, uh, all right, let's see here. Ah, yeah, yeah. So Debbie, the card you get is painting joy across the sky. Painting joy across the sky. Card 23, which is a five. Hmm. I like that. Card is, see the dragonfly? My, one of my first thing I see in there is the dragonfly, of course. And the different faces arising from perhaps, you know, the other world. I don't know. Let's see. So card 23. And of course, you love to paint. So let's see what that's about. Painting joy across the sky. The essential meaning of this card is joy in all forms. Loving life, being grateful, sharing joy and reverence for all life. Life can be a sticky place some days where safety and trust may not come easily. How do you trust a world that is changing so rapidly where people seem more and more disconnected from each other, from nature and from spirit? You work hard and hope for the best, but you can easily be disheartened and disappointed. Your life is a, yes, life is a struggle. It can be unfair, hard, corrupt and hopeless, but it's simultaneously hopeful, brilliant, trustworthy, good and beautiful pains of living in a duality, right? Nothing will ever be perfect, but neither will it ever be permanent. Can you bring your attention to the beauty of the cosmos, of nature and all her inhabitants, to see the beauty within each person you encounter? Can you remember that joy is a perception, a perspective, and an action? Breathe in and tune in to the energy of gratitude. Choose to be kind and compassionate uh, choose to be a kind and compassionate citizen of the world, regardless of the challenges surrounding you. Give freely of your heart, then you will know how to paint joy across the sky. Joy doesn't need the outer world to behave. In fact, the greatest expression of joy can arise from your deepest sorrows. Remember that joy is an energy and a contagious one at that. When you cultivate it and spread it freely, the outer world will reflect it back to you in a form that is so beautiful and meaningful. Choose joy today and soon you'll note how much richer and fulfilled you are. In fact, more reasons to be joyful will spring up in your outer world the more you pay attention to joy. So paint joy across the sky today for everybody, right? Not just Debbie, but for everyone. All right, good deal. Uh, let's see who was after Tom, Debbie, <sighs> it was Joan Durchie would like a reading. Joan, what kind of card would you like me to pull? We have Pleiadian, we have the Dreamweavers, we have Mayan, we have Galactic, we have Wisdom, we have Animals. So let me know that you what you would like. Debbie says, thank you. Lots of challenges and a crazy week here also. I'm with you, sister. This has been one of those weeks, just one of those weeks. And you know what? I think I did a good job of it. I went through everything with as much equanimity as I could. Um, 
what else is there we can do, right? I, I can't, I really could not control the things that were going on this week. So it was go with the flow or kick and scream and fight it all. Ugh, just wouldn't have worked. Galactic, you got it, Joan. So here we go. Again, for you, Joan, be thinking about what it is that you need guidance with or what it is you would like to know. And I love these galactic cards. I like all my cards. There's not a card deck I have that I don't like. I even have dog, dog cards, the dog pack. If you remember, we had a, a listener that brought us that deck. Joan, you get the Pleiades future, the future Pleiades holographic healing card number 87 which is a 15 which is a six so mm, needing to balance and harmonize perhaps so let's see what that card means i gotta put these out of my way before i drop them somewhere 87 all right now Pleiadians recognize that all consciousness is holographic. When one part of the hologram is influenced, so is the whole. And that is the foundation of Pleiadian healing methods. True healing for humans, physical and mental, emotional, adheres to this principle too. When we influence one part of our beingness, the whole is affected. This card encourages you to see your life experience holographically rather than as a series of separate events. Healing in the now or in past lives affects the whole you. So each step you take towards your healing now will affect the entire hologram of your existence. In this introductory material of this card book, Germain discusses the holographic nature of reality and how all beings are connected even while they are experiencing the illusion of fragmentation. This card refers to an evolved time stream of the Pleiadian civilization when they were well aware of the connectedness of all life and their science and spirituality, which are the same thing, reflect this idea. As humankind moves into fourth density, not dimension, density, these holographic principles are beginning to be known as new healing methods that use the holographic principle as introduced. This card often comes up in readings for people who are healers, massage therapists, naturopathic doctors, nurses, and so on. If that is your case, then the card is acknowledging your healing arts and reminding you to always think of the whole in healing rather than separate parts. Think outside of the box. If you are not a healer and this card came up in your reading, it's most likely a reminder to apply the holographic principles in your own inner work. Never assume that there is one thing to be fixed that is separate from your whole self. Hmm. Um, healing is simply balance. Look at the whole picture and once again, let yourself see unity rather than separation in all aspects of healing. Holographic healing. Mm -hmm. Pleiades of the future. Love it. Love it. Love it. Good card. Uh, okay. Now. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Debbie, Debbie, Debbie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Who was, I, I think there was, uh, let's see, what time is it? I have a couple minutes. J-Lo would love a card. My choice. All right. My choice is going to be giving you a Dreamweavers card. And this is for you, J-Lo. Again, focus on what it is that you're needing guidance with. And whoa, I see that one. Oh, <laughs> you're going to love it. Could it be a dragonfly? Could it be 
a dragonfly. Card number eight, which is a number of abundance, right? Connection to both heaven and human and person to person, heart to heart connection. Love the eye in there. Love the dragonfly, of course, my favorite thing. Uh, let's see what this card is about. Number eight. And it says, the essential meaning is seeing the meaning beyond the illusion of perception. Signs from the universe are all around. Recognizing the outer world as a living oracle. I love that. So perfect for generators and manifesting generators. Seeing, recognizing the outer world as a living oracle and paying attention to the signs. There are days when you begin to notice just how in sync you are with the world. While you're thinking of a person they call you or you see their name on the side of a truck, you might need to know the answer to something important. Then you overhear just what information you need in the lyrics of a song on the radio. It's common to develop a relationship to a sign that always shows up when the spirit of someone you've loved and lost is nearby. Oftentimes it is based in nature like a feather or a butterfly. Maybe a dragonfly shows up to let you know you're on the right track. Now is the time for you to trust those signs in the world around you as a way in which the universe reflects you, witnesses you, and loves you dearly. Pay attention as the entire world is your oracle. Uncanny and serendipitous occurrences remind you that you matter, that the universe is watching over you. Could it be a simple dragonfly? Or is that a message from spirit sparkling through its wings? Trust these symbolic moments. They are sacred and personal. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Dragonfly. All right. That was for you, J-Lo. I hope that has meaning for you. Watch the signs. Watch for the signs. Follow the signs. Uh, let's see. There was one more person who wanted a card. Who was that? Amy D.? Uh, okay, and uh, maybe we'll do two more. Okay, so uh, Amy, I'm also going to do an Oracle, uh, Dreamweaver's Oracle for you. Be focusing on what you need to know or what your guidance needs to be. And for you, it is all the magic everywhere. Oh, <laughs> this is quite the picture. <laughs> Can you see it looks like an elephant dragon carrying a fish? all the magic everywhere all the magic everywhere is card number 14 which is a five which might lead to change or transformation or some freedom the need for freedom using freedom correctly what card number did i just say that was uh oh yeah uh all along oh 14. Not 18. Okay, there we go. So the essential meaning of the card for you is abundance, prosperous potential, being responsible, which is response able, responsible. The law of abundance is operating in your life right now. You are in a time of great potential and possibilities. It's as if everything you've been working for, wished for, and hoped for has brought you to this moment. Synchronicities are everywhere if you're open and paying attention. This is your time to fully immerse yourself in the beauty of your life while trusting that all your needs will be met. Magical energy works through you for the highest good of all. What is most important now is for you to have clarity on what you genuinely want to manifest and experience in your life. 
be sure you're willing to take responsibility for this and go the distance to care for your co-creation. What do you need to believe for you receive all the riches you deserve? Can you take a moment to define what abundance means to you? Is it financial prosperity, love, good health, or creative achievement? Be careful what you wish for because now is the time for dreams to come true. All the magic everywhere is yours to experience. Gotta love this card. Again, we're all in this together. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, and I am going to do one more for Pauline. And you know what, Pauline? You have really had a focus on galactics lately. So I'm going to pull you a galactic card. Let me just get some of these things out of my way. So again, Pauline, be thinking about what it is that your question is. What guidance do you need? And be open to what comes up. Wow, this really needs or wants. Ah, there we go. Lyra. So arrogance, card number 18, Lyra of the present. So that is a card 18, number nine. There's a lot of intuition here, endings or a completion with something. So let's see what this has to mean for you or for all of us, considering we're all in this together. Okay. One of the more negative Lyran transit, <laughs> one of the more negative Lyran traits is that of arrogance, the belief that only they know what is best. In ancient days, they pushed their agenda and beliefs on many civilizations, resulting in dire consequences. Humans have this tendency as well. Often the intentions are good, but the outcome is not. Examine your own inner motivation for the things that you do. Is there a feeling of superiority? Conversely, is there a feeling of inferiority within you? This is an ancient pattern. Do not concern yourself with others' opinions or actions. Tend your own garden, which leads to true inner peace. This is the fi final Lyran card from this time stream. This Lyran trait is shared by humans, and both Lyran and human culture have to transcend this challenge before they can evolve as a species. The Lyrans eventually evolved beyond it, but it was difficult. There were times in the Lyran past when arrogance almost destroyed them. And unless humans move beyond arrogance, we may not only destroy our planet, but our species as well. If this card comes up in your reading, truthfully look at where arrogance may play a part in your life. Is it in your beliefs, your actions, your attempts to control others? If you honestly do not find any, then look to those around you in your life. Is their arrogance affecting you in a negative way? If so, it is a lesson for you to access your strong, confident Lyran energy in a balanced way and keep your personal boundaries intact. Often we teach people how to treat us through our actions or non-actions. Take a good, honest look at how this theme plays out in your life and take whatever measures are needed to create balance from a place of loving kindness. Wow, big lesson for all of us here, I think, this morning. 18, Arrogance from Lyra. All right. Well, I would love to sit here all day and do cards for everybody. Um, but I have to get moving. So take care, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you on Monday. We'll see what the first week in April has to bring for us. Take care. Bye for now. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? 
Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for astrology, human design, and Gene Keys wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.